What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live, out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code Greg88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code Greg88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Hello, uh, welcome to the Airbus Podcast, a podcast that is currently happening right now. Uh, this is a Patreon episode. Thank you so much. My name is Jamel. I'm Peter. My name is Mike. I, Jamel, I love that you started by being like, what should I say? And then a long pause. And then you're like, oh, I know. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I think I forgot. I for real. I, I really don't know. I'm always, I, do, I do too much with the intro. No, I don't think so. It. We love it. It's a good time. It's, it'd be bad. Some of them are real bad, man. Uh, Jamel, no. You're They're all good. Jamel, you're doing no, a great no, job. No, Jamel. No, look, hey, guys. All right. Benner, the, just the way <laughs> Benner's even looking at me is turning me off right now. Please don't do that. That's so funny to hear you say that, Jamel, because I always think of you as someone who, the way that I perceive you is someone who is not scared of like, I don't know if it's failing or taking chances or going, I don't know, making choices. So. Oh, extreme, extremely afraid of all yeah. of those things, bro. This shit is lies. Everything you've seen was parlor <laughs> tricks, bro. I hear that. Quarantine just pulled back the facade, baby. Yeah. Once I forgot I was 32 years old, my whole shit has been Oh, rocked. my God. I, okay. <laughs> we have been hiking the stairs uh, in my neighborhood, and Jamel comes by. I usually hand him a, a, a water bottle, which has just become our routine. Yeah, we walk. And one time IP, he, came... he gives me a water. I sit there for 20 minutes. I order something on Grubhub. I walk home. That's it. One time for a good 10 minutes, I had to convince Jamel that he was no longer 31 years old and hadn't been for over eight months. Yeah. I don't even know how, how that shit even began, bro. I just, he was talking about graduation. You were just dead set on being 31. I was like, Jamel, we both graduated in 06. I know for a fact we're the same age. We've talked about this hundreds of times. And the difference between 31 and 32 is like, I mean, what the fuck are you even lying for? Listen, to your credit, I have a hard time saying 32 because it is a very unforgettable age. Or forget uh, a, so or forget what is everyone's current age right now? 
I'm currently 32. This is Zach Descani, by the way. Comedy's okay. very oh, own. Yeah. I was going to get to the introduction, but yes. Welcome. Please welcome Zach Descani. Uh, great comic. You know him from Fade It. Uh, now an online show. Um, yeah. Yeah. But For used better to be, or worse. Used to be one of the better uh, <laughs> LA shows when we could still do live comedy. Yeah. I miss it, but I also like someone brought up the idea and I don't know if they were being completely sincere or not, but they're like, you know, LA has a lot of parks and New York's already doing park shows. And I was like, I do not want to do a park show 0%. I wouldn't want to do a park show that someone else does. It's just like, and I can't say that for everybody, just for me, I'm like, I do not feel like I, who gives a fuck about my standard? <laughs> <laughs> nigga i was doing park shows when we was allowed to go outside nigga i was doing fucking i used to do uh uh um damn how am i blanking on the the, the comedy crawl fucking uh howard kramer oh, yeah, yeah howard kramer used to do the comedy crawl around echo park which i never went to but i heard was actually fun I but i imagine a couple. it was fun because you had the choice to do it in a park but now you have no choice but to do it in a park and that adds a different layer of like esoteric terror yeah. right yeah i mean most of my the only reason i'm very apprehensive towards it is not it's just mostly because when i think i want to go to a park you want to escape the noise people or whatever uh and then could you imagine if you're at a park just like reading a book and then stand up just starts happening <laughs> near you i would be so pissed I would be so mad. It does and feel so like it. I think I can't start. I can't not think about people at the park being like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I also think there's just something about stand-up restaurants, concerts. Like, whenever it returns, because at some point, whether it's six months or six years, it will return. Like, why cheapen how amazing that's going to be by trying to fucking get it in for right. any reason beforehand? And what do you like building building your TV set for fucking eight months from now? In front of some ducks. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what premises you'd be trying out. Because it's like, you, you, I don't know. I mean, I get it for some people. It might be like a great version of venting or. You know what's funny it, about when William Barr put me in Jewish Hollywood jail? That's like a good one for like eight months from now. I do well, love that's a the premise I've been toiling with. <laughs> Sitting at the park I, reading a book and then stand up comedy happening is like exactly like what they made you do on like Last Comic Standing season three. Do you remember when they like used to be like, part of being a comedian is making anyone laugh anywhere, anytime. So you have to go to a restaurant and do comedy for people just trying to eat their pizza. And you're just like, that is not at all what comedy is. Comedy no. happens in a very specific place at a very specific time for people that are ready for it. Well, yeah, com yes. comedy is about learning that the hard way because we've all, yes. you know what I'm saying? Like, dog, I used to host a show in D.C. It was this place, 8th Street Country Club, and it was a bar. They had a little barcade vibe. And then upstairs, they had putt-putt. It was like an indoor putt putt with like four. That sounds awesome. Four or five holes you could do, and then there was a room connected to it off to the side, where there was like a bar. You know what I'm saying? And they had an open mic. I was hosting the mic there on Sundays, but the PA system was connected to the mini golf. Oh. So like, <laughs> couples would walk by, and then <laughs> I would be like. 
like, your date is still ruined, bitch. <laughs> They're just like, are they playing just a man's opinion on the radio? Yeah. They'd just be hearing open mic. They'd be like at hole eight hearing an open maker over the PA being like, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, imagine trying to pretend to teach someone to putt while yeah. someone's telling the worst joke you ever heard. <laughs> Some comedy clubs do that, like they pipe it into the bathroom. And I kind of, it's like hit or miss. Sometimes I like it because if I'm watching someone set and I go to pee, I don't lose. I'll like come back into the show and have a frame of reference for what's going on. But also they never mic the audience too. So it just sounds like it just makes, you. it really breaks the wall more than just taking a piss would be, you know? <laughs> it's what comedy is now. It's just someone <laughs> alone in a room. Oh, exactly. Oh, I miss it so and much. someone else viewing it while peeing and pretending not to be. Oh God. You know, that is something I do enjoy about, uh, what you guys are doing with fade it where it's like it's not typically just like someone doing a set directly in the camera which all the zoom shows i've seen have been very uncomfortable because that just doesn't work for me and people are like say haha in the chat and it was like that doesn't it's not the same yeah but i like i like that you guys are just kind of hanging out and talking to each other yeah i mean i feel like it was not a, it wasn't an action it was more due to no one else wanting to do no one wanted to be like, all right, are we producing an hour-long show every week? No fucking way. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, it's honestly been Mike has been booking everyone. And then uh, I don't think that he explicitly tells people that we're not asking them to do stand-up. So we've had people come on and they're like, oh, we, have we started or is this the green room? We're like, no, this is just the show. We don't really <laughs> funny if you don't want to. Yeah. Um but it's still tough. I don't, it, it does not scratch the itch that uh, live comedy did like at all. It's fun to talk to friends, but in terms of like worrying about people watching it or curating it or like adding way more, I don't know, production or thought into it. I'm just like, it does not move me in that way, which sucks, I guess. Let's start doing shows at laundromats, yo. Man, I don't mind going back to like shitty open mics when everything's like back to, because that's I guess we're all gonna get knocked down a few pegs, right? Oh yeah, straight back to Paladino. Well, I don't know. Didn't everybody leave? Like, didn't everybody move? Don't be back. I mean, I guess I'm not in LA right now, so. Yeah, I mean, but I always feel like uh, in Portland there was always those comics where they're around for like six years steady and then they get like an actual real girlfriend and then they're like oh i don't need this shit anymore i'm like actually getting love so they disappear and then if that relationship breaks up they're like guess who's back i always love stand-up you're like all right guess who needs love again yeah exactly until i find someone good again we're back uh well speaking of being back basketball is back this is a podcast about basketball Um, not about the current state of the live comedy scene. This is a Portland um, Trailblazers podcast. This is a pro Damian Lillard podcast. And let me just, and I'm not amending anything I said on Sunday. I still think what Pat Beverly did was hilarious and I loved it, but I've never not been on Dame's side for a second. How? I still want to know. I still don't understand why Pat Beverly going Dame time is hilarious. It's, it's like not very creative. It's but it worked. 
It's effective. The guy missed the two free throws and they lost the game. And he yeah. did it by being I, a tool. Effective think, dickery. Yeah, you gotta think, use the thing that like use the thing against him. The funniest thing that ever happened. I used to kill people in high school. I used to roast the shit out of people in high school. The best joke that was ever used against me, I was lighting this guy up on a bus home from a track meet for <laughs> 30 minutes. And he just turned to me and said, oh, yeah, well, you're fat. And you know what? It crushed. It crushed because I was fat. Okay, but here's the thing. I would argue that that probably, that, that, probably would, that probably would not have crushed if you did not do a half hour of of setup for that punchline. Thank you, Michael. Okay, fine. Just like Dame Lillard yeah. has been dropping nothing but buckets. fifty point setups nothing this entire buckets. restart. Yeah, that's true. He's yeah. uh, you know, uh, I'm not even. I I love the NBA, but I'm not even a specific fan to any one franchise. I growing up in Cincinnati, no one's like. True, uh, true. There's not an NBA town. It's mostly yeah, yeah. The closest NBA team is the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and no one felt like affinity for a Cleveland team or Indianapolis or anything. Uh, so like I actually, when Damian Lillard got into the league, I was kind of like, Oh God, this guy, uh, it, but over the course of the last like three years, it's kind of undeniable how fucking good he is. And, uh, he seems like he already seems like the guy 20 years from now that people are like no one really talks about, or like, why didn't he get the appreciation during his run? I don't know. It feels a little bit though, like right over the last couple of years though, he's one of the rare cases where I think maybe NBA Twitter is a part of this. Like we identify and kind of love him in the moment saying that he's under like talking about how underappreciated he is, has kind of allowed us to appreciate him. And the fact that he just keeps on like stepping up in huge moments where we're all just like completely online all the time. Like he doesn't have to win a championship. Like people will be replaying him shooting over Paul George from half court to send them home forever. That's oh, Iverson. Yeah. That's stepping over Tyron Lue level. Yeah. You're, you're, he's now immortal. Like he, and he also just wills his team and shoots like an insane person. And it's I mean, incredible. He called Skip Bayless a bitch and then went out and dropped 60. <laughs> and then he went on Adidas and dropped the price of his shoe to $60. Oh, yeah. Zach, did you see that, Zach? Did you did you take advantage and get a pair of sneakers? I did not get a pair. Uh, Dame shoes are not uh, what I've as I've aged. It's harder for me to wear straight up like really basketball, basketball shoes. No, I got you. Uh, and Dame kind of fall under that, but Ian has a fuck ton of them. So I see some that I'm like, oh, like the there was some version of like a bomber colorway, like a World War II bomber colorway. I don't know. It might be like two two versions ago or something. But at the time, I was like, oh, that I would never wear that. And over time, I'm like, that is actually pretty fucking cool. Nice. He's got the goddamn Tuskegee Airmen joints. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, Dame, yeah, as we're talking about this, Dame scored 61 and 51 in the last two games. The Blazers have officially taken, like, sole uh, possession of the eighth seed in the yeah. West right oh, now. I remember what I was going to say, Benner, to cut you off. Yeah. This has all happened since all of this went down. Since this went down... All they've been doing is continue to win. Paul George apparently texted him to apologize. They're playing Dame's album while the Clippers are warming up tonight. So I feel like 
the like the jury has come back in on the right side of this and that it's just mostly just been the clippers like even if it's just to be cool like they're walking back with like their tail between their legs and dame's just been putting up over a hundred points which is interesting that they did that and they didn't even play again it's like he beat another <laughs> team so bad that the clippers said sorry <laughs> that is true yeah. yeah that's it that's exactly it that is awesome and now you know he's reached a, a point where now on twitter i see uh other teams like photoshopping their jersey onto him and i'm like i think that's also part of the coronation is yeah team being like we got to trade for dame we got to get dame lakers twitter has been doing it to dame for like i think all this entire season but i think for yeah, years this, the past couple of days, like it has bled into many other like heat. The heat have been photoshopping him. I saw a Detroit one. Um, <laughs> okay, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so when I first moved to LA, I stayed with family and uh, my cousin and her husband. And her husband does PR for Tom Gores, the owner of the Pistons. Uh, so the six months that I was living there, he would show me emails between Stan and the owner and they were man it was fucking <laughs> great what kind of PR do you have to do when you're the owner like were things that bad uh I don't know man this dude's a billionaire his brother's a billionaire he has like all these other businesses so I think it's not strictly just pistons but it's like anytime he has to go make a statement or like I don't know who knows rich people just want like PR people, so they never have to think about what they have to say. I, exactly. I was just imagining. This guy listens, tells me, and whatever. Yeah. I just was imagining, like Stan Van Gundy gets an email, like, "Hey, during the timeouts, don't forget to mention that we have the pretzel nacho cheese crust <laughs> on, on our hot and readies now. Make sure you let the team know that." <laughs> I think Stan Van Gundy probably was already letting the team know that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Watch oh, me yeah. eat this in the huddle. <laughs> We're going to shout out pretzel wall. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Stan Van Gundy for like joining Twitter and becoming like a leftist icon immediately. Yeah, I love that dude, dude. That yeah. is very much like, like the probably I would say the wokest position is NBA coach. It feels like. Oh Yeah. Oh, it feels yeah. like NBA coach is very much just like, I don't know. They, all, they like, have a real. They had. A, they made a Black Lives Matter real. Yeah, yeah. With all the coaches holding like, hands. They're and shit. all. They're all like, yeah, very outspoken, and like seemingly the most knowledgeable, at least in terms of like uh, uh, coaches in other sports. I would never expect a baseball manager to give like a very <laughs> no. well balanced, thought out point. <laughs> It, it no. does feel like, and they feel like all NBA coaches jazz. live live more like in the actual world compared to NFL and MLB coaches and managers who are just like indoctrinated in their sport for their entire lives, 24-7, 365. Right. Maybe I that's think... just bullshit, but that's at least what it feels like. No, I mean, fuck, man. I'm a I'm a tennis fan, so it's just like just a mountain of people who don't care in that industry about anything. Which I guess is not surprising, but it's still just like, oh, wow. They won't even do basic shit, you know? Like, a lot of tournaments have not... They won't even say Black Lives Matter or anything. 
It's like, oh, you won't even do like the boilerplate, just fucking put it out there. Come on, tennis. All right. No one wants to hear this, but I'm going to ask it anyways, because I I have played a lot of tennis. Like, what the fuck happened to U.S. men's tennis? Well, when James Blake got arrested. uh, That was tough. Yeah. Dude, James Blake's had it rough. He got fucking, he got like speared. Like Goldberg on the fucking <laughs> sidewalk of his hotel in New York City. On the BQE. And this was like his last year playing. Or I think he was retired. So it's like, dude's been famous. And like only in New York. You should know who he is specifically in New York. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I mean, that's a good question. I just feel like um, it's a country club sport and like you know, most of the people that I know that play Cincinnati is like kind of a big tennis town. It's all because it's like there's parochial Catholic schools. And so it's like people are paying three, four thousand dollars for a yearly membership to play tennis all year. And I was never that. The, most people aren't really that. And there doesn't seem to be anything outside of basically just going into a club and then buying a coach. It's like super expensive. I mean, it's all like anything it's an individual sport so mm, yeah i don't know sense. i wish i too knew much, too much overhead i think it was andy roddick's fault i think once andy roddick got us that was it it kind of fucking ruined yeah everything. I, I mean for me have, there's some good u.s players tiafo your boy that is my boy he had like one big what was what tournament did he really well, get his shit on we Australia. Yeah, a couple we years watched ago? that match at your house because it was like uh, yeah, he man. won the first two sets and then he started cramping, then he lost the last two sets and then he won the fifth set. Yeah, five sets yeah, is man. still this insane to me. Like five sets is just fucking nuts. They're, they're doing it at the U.S. Open, and it's like none of these players have had time to play five sets, so they're just immediately like, "All right, you might have a seven-hour-long match." I, but like. That's what I call uh, jerking off. Playing five sets. Really, like, there's really nothing you can't accomplish in three sets. Like, exactly. If, if if you're down, like, if you're down two one after three sets, like, fuck you if you need five sets to come back. Like, you were down two one. Who cares? Like, yeah. that was already ninety minutes. Hey, Peter. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Hey, both of y'all, chill out with that shit, man. Didn't you get the? Hey, that's why I said that. I was beating my dick. You guys are talking about tennis all serious? Cool out Thank with you. that. Still beat your dick in five seconds. I think I didn't talk for like seven minutes there. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking. This is a podcast about basketball. Yeah, it's t- tennis. I was sometimes. in though. I, I love it. I love it. I love tennis. I'm with you. I did watch the Apple. I bought too many wings for that. I match. do not know anything about tennis at all, other than. Um, I know, like I, I know the Williams sisters, and I know Naomi Osaka, and I, but I know them as like personalities. I don't know anything about their tennis games. Right. How's that piece of I'm actually putting down this shakaroni right yeah, now. Yeah, don't get ahead of the game, guys. We'll get to that. Sorry. <laughs>